I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hi, Eve. Hey, Kieran. How are you? I am pretty good. We have a friend. We have a friend here, Garrett Conley. Thank you so much for joining Thank us today. Thank you for having me. Um, seems like a fitting occasion. So, uh, <laughs> we're all angry about the same thing, so I think it's good that we're gathered together to uh, go through it. Uh, I've learned so much about myself just by reading all the articles you sent me <laughs> about Marianne Williamson. I'm like, my reactions are just so telling of like my background, you know? I'm sure you'll feel the same way. Yeah, well... Actually, that's a really good place to start. This podcast is called Kitchen Table Cult, and um, it, Kieran and I both went on this long evolutionary journey to learn to recognize that we had both grown up in cults, um, not, and not cults in the sense of how pop culture portrays it, but in terms of like the academic definition of what a cult is. And um, you clearly relate to that, but is that something that you, is that like a a recent recognition or is that something that you have known for a long time? It is fairly recent. It's uh, about two years ago, this law firm called McDermott, uh, William and Emerson, they, they contacted me because they'd heard my story, they'd read my book, and they wanted to help me kind of come to terms with what I'd been through at a conversion therapy camp called Love in Action based out of Memphis, Tennessee. And um, I gave them all my materials. I gave them uh, a 275-page handbook with all the rules for the conversion therapy camp. And, and you know, there were over 15 pages full of rules. And whenever they sat me down in a meeting, um, they were like, well... This does fit the definition, as you said, of the academic definition of a cult. Mm -hmm. And they explained to me that the kinds of rules that uh, required strict adherence and surveillance at all times from even your fellow members and a repetition of one's lack of power and shamefulness was classic cult behavior. So I, you know, and and did that surprise you? Yeah, I mean, what was so surprising to me was not. Well, first of all, I felt extremely justified in my reaction to that <laughs> um, time period because I was like, it was crazy. The mm-hmm. other thing that was shocking to me was that it sort of cast a shadow over my childhood and made me think that the whole thing had been a cult, which I know y'all are both grappling with because there's no. There's not a lot of reporting out there about this sort of um, kitchen table conversion um, Mm. that often takes place. That's good context because we've all been like kind of processing this stuff on our own and together and and collectively, like I know ex-evangelical Twitter has been pretty active recently which it was, it didn't exist when Karen and I started deconstructing this, and I don't think it did for you either, Garrett. But it's, you know, there's like, it's kind of a, a little bit of a zeitgeist in, for this, like, subculture. And there's this other layer to it where, like, we're all queer, and so we're we're politically active, and we're watching, you know, the the election ramp up happen, um, and we have, we bring to that these these contexts, and um, and then we see the last round of debates, <laughs> and we all get really angry. And that's why we're here today because we like I know that there's like a lot of stuff that could be said about Tulsi Gabbard and and her upbringing as like a homeschool kid and her upbringing in a a different kind of fundamentalism um, that I think would qualify as a cult. But she doesn't seem to be getting the kind of attention that. Marianne Williamson is, and she's the one who really scares us. Yeah. She's terrifying. Why is she terrifying? So, Karen, what did you see when you saw first saw her speak? Uh, so my 
first reel watching her speak was at the second debates. I fell asleep watching the first debates because I was watching it while I was on vacation in Ohio and dealing with jet lag. Great life choice. Yeah, it was good. Um, and it just like it. Sh- she got my shackles up, you know, like when you listen to like a pastor talk and he's not saying anything outright obvious that you disagree with. Like it, it's pretty mainline, but there's just something about whatever is underneath what he's saying. Is it that, the, like, the non-specificity of her? Yeah. Her yeah. Style? So much of it is just like, it's just words. Like it, it doesn't. It's all fluff. There's nothing. There's no substance or or anything like behind it, and it's all very religiously. Like today, I was I was looking at both her personal website and her campaign website, and all of it. The whole time that I was I was reading it is very just like savior complexy. Like she she thinks she is the one with the one vision and i mean admittedly like that's what all the candidates are saying but there's something more there that the other candidates don't well she's not she's have. not saying the same like she's not presenting herself the same way yeah like, like they're not presenting themselves as saviors like she is they're presenting themselves as qualified for the job and right. they're like doing job interviews yes she's not trying to emphasize why she's qualified. She's trying to emphasize why, like... We should follow only, her. She's Well, she's, like, the only one who sees it correctly mm-hmm. and can teach us how to see it right. She Which does is this flag. during the debates, too. Like, she, she waits for everyone to stop talking, and then she does this sort of sly move where she says, well, everyone's saying all these things about plans, but they're not thinking about the true cause. Yes. And that's like, I mean, anyone can do that with with very little intelligence and frame yourself. You know, what's really insulting to me, and, you know, this is a little (laughs) bit off to the side, but it's so insulting to me that all these people have worked their asses off. Like Warren is up there with five billion plans to save the country. Yeah, she's like, well, actually, um, none of this matters because y'all don't know how to cure the country. <laughs> like, right, right. So, okay, so this is kind of in like let's let's look into like why people like her, like and like who she is a little bit, and then we'll come back to to these red flags that we're seeing and unpack them a little more. So. Oddly enough, Marion's like our first non-Christian subject. We've pre- yeah. been pretty narrow with our, our 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 discussion up to date. Um, she's uh, Jewish, and she considers herself to be not religious but spiritual. I don't know if she's the originator of that like particular cliche, but um, she certainly, you know, her existence popularizes it. So. People really like her after the debates, and I don't think a lot of people know her. She's been around mm-hmm. for forever. And by forever, I don't mean, like, she's old. I just mean, like, her ideas have been popular for a long time. So she she was born in Houston, 1952. She was a college dropout and just kind of, like, traveled around and did, you know, all the odd jobs, was a lounge singer at one point. And then she, like, discovered the book A Course in, Mil- in Miracles, which she says, like, basically saved her life. Are you either of you familiar w- with this book? No, I didn't hear about it until just today when I was reading her bio on her website. I have started to become very familiar with it. <laughs> <laughs> rem- okay, so when I worked in the Barnes & Noble in L.A., people came in and asked for it all the time. And I remember, like, sitting on one of my breaks, like, flipping through it on the shelf and just being like, what fresh hell is this crap? Um, it's... And it's this book that was, like, written in the 70s by this New York psychologist who claimed that she was taking dictation from Jesus Christ. Sure. And that's what the book it is. And so, like, every time anybody talks about the book and, like, what they believe about it, like, they're like, no, like, I don't believe in any, like, deity or teacher. And this book, we don't worship it. It's not a religion. But, Mm -hmm. like, it's direct from God. It's It's like a third New Testament. Yeah. So, so she started using the, like, ideas from it to, like, 
write her own books and start lecturing and like teaching courses and basically turned it into like the main like meat of her con artist Mm -hmm. like self-help empire yeah you know who she reminds me of Hmm. joel osteen (laughs) yeah or like gwyneth thalter like there's like a little bit of both happening yeah yeah but like she has that same kind of like prosperity gospel kind of pushing vibe. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that. So, um, one of the classic prosperity gospel people of the, like, New Age movement is Louise Hay, who she's worked with a lot. And, um, like, I didn't really know who Louise Hay was, again, until, like, I was working at the bookstore and people kept asking for her books. And I got so angry. One of my, one of my sisters, um, went through like a, some sort of recovery program and then just started sharing Louise Hay's quotes on her Facebook wall all the time. And I just like lost my mind because Louise Hay is someone who claims to have cured herself of cancer through her own positive thinking, among other things. So it's like that like very extreme like manifest your, your, your wellness and manifest your, you know, like the better future for yourself that you should, you know, rightfully have or whatever. Well... I mean, she's also, you know, I don't want to get Mm. off topic already, but she's also kind of, Mm. I think the reason the gays flock to these figures is because she's kind of fabulous looking and she seems to be someone who you could, you know, just like Marianne, you could make fun of, but also was involved in the HIV AIDS stuff. Yeah, so she's like, yeah, she's got this like charming kind of kooky aunt vibe. She's a little campy. And then... And I just want to, like, put this out here, like, front and center because it, like, drives – it annoys the shit out of me. She's so absurdly skinny, and a lot of her teachings come – like, she always, like, finds a way to hit on, like, this, like, if you just, like, thought right about yourself, you would lose weight. And so she's, like, got this, like, uh, fat f- – Didn't she fat- also – say that kidney stones were a physical manifestation of anger or sadness? I think... Oh. You know, Louise Hay, I think, said something about tumors being the man... Like, some manifestation of, like, bitterness or something. So, like, it's entirely possible. Um... Oh, that's where my okay. I'm like drawing connections. <laughs> did, to did your some parents stuff use this my stuff? Parents believe now, not not these books, but like whenever we got sick or anything, it, it was always like, well, like, what are you doing? Like, you're like, my parents blamed like canker sores on well, isn't like, that being like, angry. Or it's the whatever. same kind of thinking that like drove um, love and action. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> what sin are you? Have you inherited that like is making you like, you know, your life suck now? Mm-hmm. Okay, gay. <laughs> uh, a manifestation of some negative or sinful thing in your past. I mean, if that's if that's it, I'm I'm okay with that. I'm fine with <laughs> I'm fine with being queer as <laughs> as penance. The, the new the new version of that like uh, must have done something good song from Sound of Music must have done yeah. something bad, right? Just to clarify this this idea is it called new thought, right? It, there's like a term for it. It's not new age, but I think it's called like new thought, um, and it's been around since like the 19th century. Of course, it's been around much longer than that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely didn't originate in the 70s. But this idea. Uh, this modern sort of modern idea of your sickness is a physical form of your thoughts. I think that it's called new thought or something like that. Okay. Yeah, I have. I I know it goes further back. I don't know what the term of art for it is. I just, it's not a recent development. It is like within this this century. But it's it's one of those like, you know, if you think right, then your life will be perfect. And I that's like. That's a perfect segue into, like, why we feel this is culty because, like, mm-hmm. that's a really easy way to, like, use guilt and shame to make people do what you want. Mm-hmm. And to not talk about the things that they're struggling with. 
Yeah. Because then, like, well, it's just your fault. Like, you're just choosing to be depressed because you're choosing to have sad thoughts. And it's like, no, literally my brain doesn't make the right chemicals. But sure, it's because I'm deciding to think this Right, way. right. And so, like, you know, that's, like, why my mom never got treatment for her postpartum depression until, like, it was, like, way, way too late. Because she literally thought she was just dealing with doubt. Mm-hmm. And it was a faith problem. Right. Hmm. That's interesting because that, that was called despair in the 18th century. <laughs> the, not that I'm writing a book set in the 18th century about religious people. But <laughs> Stay tuned. Pre-order that book. Just to clarify that Slate article you sent me, uh-huh. it is called New Thought and it's from, uh, it's actually it has origins with Christian science. Of course it does. Of course it does. Of course it's so it popular does. in LA. Yeah. So, okay, so, like, people, like, people like her who haven't seen her stuff before, Mm -hmm. especially queers, like, what's the appeal? Well, I mean, I think it, like, there are two places it stems from, and I tried to read different ideas about it because Twitter was (laughs) on fire the day after the the second debates, and... Mm -hmm. You know, prominent queer people that I respected were loving her, and then other queer people (laughs) that I also respected, including myself, were like, um, no, (laughs) she's terrible. Um, And I think that part of it is that they're, so like, new thought and this kind of like magical thinking is sometimes helpful for people who are in a liminal space where they do not know medically how to treat something. And so she came in, and I view it, this is what I was saying about it's like a litmus test for people who survived things that we've been through. Like, I look at it as grifting. Like, I see her going into a community that doesn't belong to her, um, and she sees herself as this angel. I mean, it's actually angel food was, like, the name of her company. Mm Mm-hmm nonprofit and like she goes in swoops in and she's like don't worry honeys I'll be your mom um I'm here to make you feel better and like I'm not going to deny that the people who are on her side or who actually remember her being like helpful at that time like I'm not here to just say that that's bullshit because you know everyone has a different lived experience and we don't know every single thing she said or did during that time period well, and I think there's like this, there's also maybe this relief, like when you've been ostracized and alienated yeah. for someone who just like accepts you. Um, and, you know, that's a classic cult thing, like love bombing, love is, the, bombing. is the definition of it. But like, there's a reason she's beloved by Oprah and Elizabeth Taylor and Michael Jackson. It's like that same kind of just like, it's, yeah, it's like all that, like, you know what, like, we're pretty fucked up, but, like, love still exists and, like, you can still find community. And, like, that's, that's like, a basic human need. But, like, when you don't, when you have, like, this, like, schism of, like, how you understand yourself in the world and you don't really, like, you're saying liminal spaces, like, when there's that moment of, like, emotional fracture, you want to be told what to do. And she takes advantage of that. I guess I just don't know, you know, while we're on this, like, I don't know what her motivations are. And I'm not even going to try to pretend to know them. Like, because maybe she really did care. But that's not an issue here, right? Like, the issue is, like, did she use this kind of thinking, like, in a way that is cultish? And how does that affect her her potential presidency? (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, yeah. intent versus impact is always like a constant discussion in like social reform or development or justice work. Yeah. But just to finish up on my side, like I think that's one side is I think that like queer people see her as someone who was there with them from the beginning, even if sometimes her messages were like, don't worry, you can write a letter to your virus and it will make you feel better. And that seems insane <laughs> to me. <laughs> but... But, like, you know, we've all read the 1992 stuff, like, where she says that it's, um, what is it, Psychic Scream? Um, Yeah, and we'll put that up in the show notes so you guys can see. 
So yeah, like so we've all read that, but then I think there's another side to it where and it's a superficial one where queer people just like want to have this sort of zany, fun, sl- like very charismatic woman. And you know, I can see her appeal. I can see that she she meets all of the sort of diva requirements. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she was yeah. probably like like she's hanging out with rappers doing shots backstage before she gets on like and having yeah. dance parties on Instagram. Like, yeah, that's that's a totally different mood <laughs> from anyone yeah. else. Like, <laughs> like I, you know, like I might be able to have a glass of red wine with Elizabeth Warren, but I don't think she'd do tequila shots with me. No, and like when Hillary was doing that stuff, you're always like, um, no. <laughs> yeah, it's like just weird, but it feels genuine to Mary. Yeah, yeah, it does kind of. I guess it feels like she would hang out with those people. <laughs> yeah. Kieran, you're in Oakland. Have people around you been talking about her? Like, what's the what's the, the take on her out there? Uh, no one, like, she doesn't, everyone thinks she's kooky. Kooky like, as in, like, it's like the, not all there? The basic, like, like... Yeah, like, just sort of, like, mm, like everyone knows that she's anti-vax, and, like, given that Berkeley and a bunch of other schools in the area have high rates of anti-vax, everyone is like, no, that is absurd and bad and terrible, and, like, yeah, basically she doesn't really have a lot of traction. Everyone is more kind of between um, Mm -hmm. Warren, Harris, and Bernie out here. Well, that's good. In my tiny little circle. Yeah, and it's like a lot of us were surprised at the debates that Williamson said something coherent and smart about reparations and that shocked the entire room. Yeah, so let's so the yeah, that's that's something that's interesting. So she like she like the direct quote was if you think we're going to beat Donald Trump by just having all these plans, you've got another thing coming. And then she pivots and is like, and here's like the breakdown right. of the math for how Which we're was... going to do reparations. Which is like, she didn't write yeah. that. Somebody yeah. gave that to her and she liked it. But also, that's the sort of thing that she's willing to take seriously that other candidates might not. And that stands out mm-hmm. in like a way that looks positive. Right. Like that's bringing a conversation to the table that hasn't been at the table yet that everyone has been wanting to like have. And so well, people on the, le- on on the, the far, far left. left yeah. Not, yeah, you know, yeah. Not the, the moderates. The moderates don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, Usually. Do we find that disingenuous that she's like, I don't, I'm not into plans, I'm into big structure thinking, and then she pivots immediately to a detailed plan. No, I don't think it is disingenuous, because, like, there are two things with her that, like, track with this. One is that she has founded this series of nonprofits um, in order to do all of these, like, kind of cliche, LA-style leftist philanthropy. So, like, a lot of stuff to make you feel good that may not actually be super practical in how it's carried out. But, like, you know, I'm thinking of Coney. <laughs> like, that whole that whole. Oh, my God. Thing. Was that – Coney 2020 I've, was, like, yeah. their, 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 their slogan. But, like, you know, like, they didn't have a plan for how they were going to get this, this guy to stop kidnapping children and making them right. child soldiers. But they had, you know, the the glam and they had the traction and they, like, got the attention and the money. And so she's kind of got the same sort of cachet. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then she goes and she does this thing at a lot of her um, events that, like, there's a video that we got to sh- include in the show notes of this that it's, like, it's deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> um to watch and not in a way of like like white fragility uncomfortable to watch for me it's like it's deeply uncomfortable because it's so artificial um she has her like workshop participants like the white 
members of the community co- go and give like a public apology, like almost, almost like a like a an Episcopal, Episcopalian church saying the creed oh. together all at the same time, and they go and they like surround the people of color in the congregation, especially the African Americans, and they s- apologize for for slavery and racism to them collectively. Um, and uh, it's <laughs> right. So, That's... so she's like, she's like aware of the issue in all the correct ways. And she's all about performing that she's aware of the issue. And she doesn't actually understand a fucking thing about how to right. fix it. Which is how like, just like going over her websites and stuff today. That's basically her entire thing is she knows she knows the words to say and the order in which to say them, but she doesn't understand the problem or how to solve it because she thinks the problem is something that only she can solve and it's this one thing that she has created that exists that may or may not actually be the problem. I think that's the nail on the head right there in, in the cultish behavior is that she's not drawing from other sources. like. I mean, the only source she seems to be drawing from is herself and also in her weird campaign video, like, the Constitution. But... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Garrett, there's another angle to this that, like, I think why we're seeing the bullshit for what it is um, that may be a little bit more unique, not just the, the cult upbringing, but, like, there's something about her that reminds me a lot of, like, the worst kind of Peace Corps volunteer. Oh my gosh, yes. So so, <laughs> so everybody who's been listening to this podcast knows that I served in Kyrgyzstan. I was in Ukraine for three years. <laughs> okay, so we, you, you, like, you and I know this volunteer who, like, comes in and is white and upper middle class and, like, knows, like, academically how development works and how international relations theories work and how like cultural analyses are supposed to go but like and knows like how what privilege is uh, abstractly but doesn't actually get it and then comes in and is like this is the one thing that my community needs and like we're gonna fix it by like bringing in a lot of money from the united states and like putting like all of that into this one project and then this village is going to be fine. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of? There was this Peace Corps volunteer who said that he when he was teaching his students about Thanksgiving cuz his, his you know how you always have to like you have to teach the cultural yeah, exchange so, lessons. Yeah. So um and we all hated doing that. It was very silly and especially Thanksgiving you're like, "Uh, really?" <laughs> um yeah, like really That's, not not interested. No. But whenever we were having to do that, um, this volunteer decided that he would create a game. I can't remember how it worked, but it was a game in which um, some students were Native Americans and some were pilgrims. And the whole point of the game was that the Native Americans ended up having to give up everything and die. And it was like to prove oh a point about, about colonialism and uh, brutality and... <laughs> Oh, and I remember just being like, you have no idea what your students actually need to learn or want to learn in their community because this, like, like deconstructing America is always important, but deconstructing it, like, for 10-year-olds who just want to figure out a way to learn English so that they can get jobs that get them out of communities that are, you know, or get money to their parents, like, this is not how to do it. And there were always those big ideas, you know? There were always these giant ideas that people were trying to incorporate in very small communities. And it was like, maybe we should just help them, you know, find a a resource that, like, can bring the community together rather than teach them about post-colonial thought writing. Right. And that's why, that's why, I mean, not that I, like, am a big person to defend Peace Corps in general, but, like, that's why they have these these processes in place of like not approving grants unless it's like er, the idea has originated out of the community organically and the funding is being controlled by a member of the community and the volunteer is the facilitator not like holding the purse strings or stuff but i mean that reminds me of of this uh, like 
all these other projects I saw in Kyrgyzstan were like, someone wanted to build a greenhouse so that there would be vegetables in winter, but like didn't recognize, like understand that like Kyrgyzstan's so at such a high elevation, like that, like if you built the greenhouse in a certain area, like, so it was constantly getting sun, like the vegetables literally all burn. Mm. Yeah. And like, then didn't teach like so the volunteer just didn't have like actual knowledge about the project to implement you mean they didn't have a plan well not even just like a plan but like didn't actually know anything and so created a plan off of no knowledge and then and then it just like became like an abandoned building on the school campus like (laughs) and that sounds a little like (laughs) what she's trying to do she's like she's that 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 like I mean, when we came to Kyrgyzstan, one of the older volunteers who'd been there a couple years longer than we had sat down with us and was like, so what ideas do you have for, like, projects you might want to do in your village? And none of us had been to our villages before. We were still in, like, early training. And we were all like, this and this and this and this and this. And he's like, cool. That one, that first thing, that's the only thing you'll do. Because you actually, you have to work with people. You can't just, Mm -hmm. you know come down from on high and like hand your your plan to people that don't you 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 have to actually interact with human lives and recognize that there's impact and it's just so much more complicated than you realize and that feels like how she's approaching this to her credit though we're gonna do a little bit of like trying to give her some um, you know some leeway like does she believe that she has done the field work does she believe that starting these organizations and being on the ground during the AIDS crisis gives her some sort of understanding about what people need? According to her you know, website, yes. But that's the <laughs> that's actually super interesting because like when people on that stage, like I watch both debates, when she like when everybody gives their like why I'm qualified moment, she doesn't give her experience. No, she doesn't. She doesn't give her work. She gives her insight. Mm-hmm. So it's it's about like her her vision and her like visionary ability to like see what is needed to heal the country rather than I have, you know, worked on these the issues in these areas for these many years and like I know how this works. She doesn't bring those credentials to the table At, ever. No, she never does. And that's one of the things that always sets me off about her between Anytime she's asked any, like, question or any probing for details, she always goes back to, I am, like, a very spiritual person and I just know these things. And also her her tendency to just, like, issue plans and issue knowledge and, like, just write having plans and knowledge off as, like, a bad thing well, is a not that huge, she's writing it well, off as bad, a bad thing. Like, no, no, she's quo. writing it off as a... She's writing writing it off as a only she has the knowledge. Right. And also Which is why it reminds me of like sorry, go ahead. Oh. I forgot where I was going. Go. <laughs> okay. Well, I was going to say it reminds me of the shepherding movement stuff. Yes. Where like that was a a sub subgroup that started during the Jesus movement in the 70s where like people would leave all major decision making to their pastor because the pastor had like a direct line to God in a way that you as a congregant didn't mm-hmm. um, because of your sinful nature. You, sh- you know, like you weren't called to the pastorate. So you, your thinking and decision-making might be corrupted somehow. So you would have to run things by your spiritual head. Right. And so you like these people were making these like massive financial decisions at the influence of their pastors who were literally taking advantage mm-hmm. of them because they were just like closing their eyes and like, holding up their livelihoods to these authorities. And and I, it seems a little bit like that, where it's like, just trust me, I know better, and I'm not going to tell you how I know better. But I do, so. But I do, so let me let me take charge. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing that sets me off the most. And she doubles down on that all the time. Like, it's in all of the entire way that she writes her website, the ways that she answers questions is all just very much like, well, just trust me. 
because I know and I don't have the experience of these people and that's how you know I'm qualified. <laughs> you think we'd had enough of that. <laughs> right? Like she's she's presenting herself as like the anti-Trump but like because she's, she's just, just like Trump on the left. Yeah, exactly, because she's like a woman and on the left. Like that's 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 but basically the same, like the same authoritarian i know what's best let me do my plan don't question me at all kind of vibe as a total aside i'd love to see your tax returns to know if there's like financial (laughs) motivation here um i do think that there is you know like many cultish figures she has a very strong anti-intellectual stance yeah i've seen a lot of people and queer people defending her saying no she's trying to unite faith and reason and supplement and that's sort of the track that she's gone down in responding to these criticisms is to say like no i'm just talking about how we can supplement you know science and blah 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 which is a nice (laughs) attempt to spin it but (laughs) i just i think that one of the things that's really bothering me is the way that she's she is making fun of the wonkiness of the other candidates yeah and is also you know there's a difference between intellectual thought and thought she's she's saying that she has the right thoughts but she's asking you to not be intellectual whenever you Mm -hmm. engage with her Mm -hmm. which is a huge bad sign yes (laughs) (laughs) well i mean it's that's i mean that's like a lot of the the stuff that Kieran and I pushed up against being raised as quiverful daughters, where it was like this whole like just trust your dad to like make these decisions about your life, but like also you're a completely rational being who's like capable of arguing for the gospel and converting mm-hmm. people and like reasoning against these worldviews and but like but when it comes to your own worldview, just shut down and trust us. Yep, because you you can't possibly know the things that I know because I'm your dad or pastor or whatever. And they'll, you know, they feed you enough thought and reasoning um, to make you feel like you're learning something new or that it's interesting. Um, But then the minute you go a step beyond that, it's like you're asking too much. Um, You're being too uh, plan oriented. You're being too whatever. Mm-hmm. Isn't that straight out of screw tape letters? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. We're, okay, so if you guys don't know screw tape letters, like C.S. Lewis wrote this book that's a, a, a parody of, you know, a mentoring conversation between a senior demon and a novice demon and, like, how he should be corrupting his his human charge. And, like, the line is something like, you know, when you tell them these lies, always mix them with a grain of truth because it's going to be a lot more, it's going to be a lot stronger and a lot more convincing than if it was lying outright. That's true. Yep. Yeah, I feel like she's harnessed that quite a bit. Well, and I think that gets into, like, if we want to look into specifics, like, okay, so is she an anti-vaxxer? She says she's not, but, and this is one of those exact situations where, like, there's a grain of truth. Mm-hmm. To what she's saying, but it's actually really, really off. Like, you know, she she says she's not against vaccines and she loves science. She just wants science to get to a place where we don't need vaccines. Right. And that's the same with, like, her stance on psychiatric drugs for mental health. Is she's like, well, we should have science make it so we don't need drugs for mental health and people can just think happy thoughts. And I'm like, actually... The hashtag CryptoVote on Twitter has a bunch of really good resources about Marianne's stance on healthcare and mental health care and being anti-vax, but not anti-vax, but anti-vax. Um, so we'll link that also. Yeah, we'll yeah. She, that. She's also doing the classic move of playing into people's fears. Um, and so she's saying like, vaccinations well the ways that that vaccinations are being disseminated without choice are orwellian is how she put it um and so it makes her sound smart for a second to people who don't understand what she's doing Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. She's saying, like, I want to make sure, you know, I'm not anti-vax, but I want to make sure that the government doesn't control us. Well, then how are you, as a president, going to make sure we don't have an outbreak of measles? Right. Um, if, if you're saying that the government shouldn't have anything to do with people getting vaccines. Well, it's like, it's, it's doing, I mean, not saying that, like, I'm, you know, a big fan of trusting the government, but, like, it's one of those, those situations where it's, it's an easy way to undermine democracy by, like, putting people in opposition to the government and saying, like, oh, you can't trust yeah. this. So, like, this is, like, why Kieran and I as homeschool kids were raised to be terrified of social workers. Yep. It's the exact same like they thing. Will like, come actually, for you. they're here to help us, and like we can, contr- like if we we vote and like hold things accountable, we actually can be engaged in the process of like teaching them how to help homeschool kids better. But like, we were just raised to like point blank, like, run away them and fear them. Yeah. And I think this gets into like the her whole thing with HIV and AIDS because it's the same like medical establishment, like this like blunt opposition rather than like an informed relationship mm-hmm. with your doctor garrett like what's what's talked a little bit more a lot of our listeners if they grew up fundamentalist probably weren't really aware of the hiv aids crisis in the way that they should have been <laughs> the way that most people are <laughs> you want to like you want to you want to cover that you want to take that one i was aware of it in some really odd ways um you know love and action it's a lot of its materials were using fear to make parents and their kids to conversion therapy. And, and one of those tactics was like a newsletter that I later did research on where, uh, the head of, of that camp, John Smith had said, you know, he, he was at the, the edge of a dying man's bed who was dying of AIDS and like basically let it be known that if you were queer, that you were going to die of AIDS um, and that they were trying to save you from that, and that they had the answers for that cure. <laughs> well, and I remember, like, World Magazine for Kids or, or something, like, hearing from my mom through, like, the mediation of World Magazine that, like, AIDS was, like, God's oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, on too. the gays. Right. Um, and I think there was like there was a racist take on that where it was like directly aimed at like black trans women and like of course like this is you know was God's their God's punishment for their rebellion or whatever and like then everybody else got it <laughs> goodness which is so fucked up yeah on multiple levels like that's really interesting. Um, <laughs> if you're gonna, if you're gonna, like, kill, some, like, a certain group of minorities, like, you should really aim properly and don't let that spread. Um, God is just <laughs> very God's, sloppy. God's got bad aim. <laughs> God is very sloppy. Okay, so then, like, they, like, I think, things I've heard from people who, who were, you know, alive in the queer community at that time, like, I think the way they talk about it really parallels the way we feel about mass shootings right now. Just this, like, constant, like, we don't know if we can trust the government to help us stop it. We don't know how to individually, Mm -hmm. you know, save ourselves from it. And it could happen to anyone at any time. And it's absolutely terrifying because it happens so so quickly. Yeah, and you can expand that to, like, the El Paso thing where it seems like the government is turning a blind eye because of the people that they're targeting. Yeah. 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 And so there's that double, yeah, that other layer and, and a good, a good coverage on that. Um, I think like there's a lot of, of, you can look into like how Nancy Reagan helped basically prevent research into a cure for HIV AIDS. Mm. They both did. Uh, they both did, but like it was, it was it was her, I think, who like really pushed it with him. Um, and and you know, I don't have all the the research on this because I didn't realize I was going to go in this direction. But like, she was also very involved in this like new age spiritualism. Like, she had an astrology astrologer on retainer, who was a con person who was using that for, you know, financial profit. Of course. So, 
you know, there's there's that layer too. But you know, there I just thought of something hmm. um, adjacent to that. You know how like okay, so there are these stories that Williamson did actually drive patients to get medication, and I don't think those can be totally discounted because they're eyewitness, and you know, who am I to distrust a, an older gay man who says this? But um, the same was true for, like, Tammy Faye, right? So at the end of her life, she became this huge um, HIV-AIDS, like, activist who was, like, caring for queer people, and she totally changed her image. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, like, what's the connection here between all of these sort of crazy auntie figures who are obviously grifters in some part of their lives, but also tend to, for whatever reason, glom on to the queer community. Like, Yeah. I mean, I, there's... Do you want my honest, like, gut answer? Yes. <laughs> they, like... We, uh, straight white women like to not be sexually threatened and like to think of themselves as good people and really, really like flying under the radar with their power. And that's why they're so dangerous. And so it's really, it's a lot easier to go to a community that's not going to like turn and sexualize them. Mm. And use that white savior mentality there. Yeah, that tracks. So there's a there was a really good Twitter thread um, right after the debate that I'm gonna read from, a, you know like obviously there's there are eyewitness accounts of of Marianne driving patients to go see their doctors, but also like this this one woman on Twitter was saying, my dad was one of the original teams of doctors that discovered HIV AIDS in New York City. Marianne Williamson killed patients of his. I remember him telling me this. I remember her name mentioned twenty years ago and. Only not earlier because I'm 30 years old. I've told his story of the discovery of the virus many times. He had a recording of this story in the audio booth when we went to the Museum of City um, and Why AIDS exhibit, which meant so much to us both, him especially. It's a strong story, but here's another story. I can't tell it as he told it. I don't remember his words. I remember mine. I was a little girl, and my dad was coming home and being very, very sad because he had patients he deeply cared about who let themselves die. Not who died because of a fight, and not who died because of how hard they tried. These are people who died because a charismatic woman told them to love their disease. They truly believed this was a treatment. They believed this, quote, return to love, unquote, would save them. And surprise, surprise, that's what happened. It didn't. Or here's what happened. It didn't. Marianne Williamson killed young, vibrant people, mostly gay men, in New York City. She killed them with false promises, and she killed them with sway. He always blamed her. I do, too. Hmm. That's intense. Yeah. 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 Well, and, like, that's kind of the takes on the point that I wanted to raise is, like, both can be true. She can have both driven people to hospital for treatment and also at the same time even gone and advocated that people not engage in treatment. Like, people are complicated and all of these things can exist at the same time. I mean, it's it's the same way, like, you know, somebody's dad could be a shitty husband. Yeah. And, like, abuse their mom, but, like, be a really good dad or the other way around. Yeah. Like... You know what I think it is? I think it's that her new thought philosophy didn't combine well with the medication that people were Mm. learning to take. I think Mm. that... Like, it reminds me of my dad's faith. You know, my dad's a preacher, mm-hmm. and I always describe his faith as, like, a Jenga game. Like, you know, the the bottom blocks, if you, like, start to move some of those, it'll just topple over. So if he had to deal with the fact that every word of the Bible can't be literal, then the whole <laughs> thing might fall. <laughs> well, this is Chesterton's <laughs> man-man's box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like um, Williamson's new thought was incompatible in many ways with this idea that no you don't have to love your virus you need to love science you need to like like hopefully you're lucky to get the medication usually if you're a 
powerful, rich, white, gay. You've got it. Um, and, and I, you know, life sucks. And sometimes you just aren't lucky because of the systemic, like, place that you're in. Um, and that is not, a, a, you know, for most people, a very nice philosophy. It's a well, true one. And there's... There's also this layer to it that, and I think this gets into, like, what draws people to cults. Um, there's a a flip side to narcissism um, that looks very subservient, mm. where you want to have control over things, so you believe, you know, all of these bad things about yourself because you put yourself in the position of being responsible for these bad things that have happened to you. And it's like when when victim mentality goes too far and you just like hate yourself because you know if only you'd done this right then like it wouldn't have happened like that's a way of like returning control back to you. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's like there's some of that appeal like when you're in a position like that's so life or death and super scary and like there's so many unknowns it's easier to just assume responsibility for its outcome. Um, and to like want to believe things that will give you the return the control to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's that liminal space. She occupied it, and it and whenever you look at that, it's hard for it to seem anything else than like grifting. Yeah, yeah. Like she didn't just happen to be in the right place at the right time, you know? Right. She put herself there. <laughs> she wasn't just like at least none of the stories I've ever heard is she like my best friend died of AIDS and I wanted to help people. Right. Like I haven't yeah. heard that right. version of the story. Yeah. No. And it might it might be there. It might be there somewhere, but like that That's not what she is tells not people. What peop- that's not what she tells people and that's not what people who like used to be friends with her and aren't anymore. Like that's not what they say about her. A lot of them are like, yeah, she just really wants to be famous. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I read a lot of accounts from survivors who said like, well, she she just like we all knew she was a grifter. We all knew she wanted money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. like that's why I think like aside from the danger, the real danger that she actually does pose for our country. Because I don't, you know, everything's on the table these days. <laughs> who knows yeah. who could win? Yeah. But aside from the very real danger that she poses, I think there's also a really interesting litmus test for people which is like do you like it, it gets passed off as this like harmless spirituality for a lot of people mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's just ignorance I think you know I think that people don't understand like the trajectory of this kind of harmless spiritualism throughout history right, right. <laughs> yeah well and like I this this is Something um, I read the other day. You guys know the the musician Amanda Palmer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a, she's a little controversial, but she's she's hit my life in like some formative moments. So I really love her her work, but she always gets asked like, "Art political? Like, is yours? How is it? Can art not be political? And like, like art is political whether you want it to be or not because the personal is political." Yeah. is basically always her answer. And so, like, you can't just believe these things and, like, keep it to yourself and be like, yeah, well, it's not hurting anyone else, so, like, it's not political. Well, her spiritualism <laughs> is actually running for office. It is political yeah. as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, it's she, is, she has politicized it, but it's always been political. It wasn't political when she stepped out. You know, it didn't start being political when she stepped out on the right. stage. It's always, always, always yeah, been political. Yeah, and like, and Trump's invasion theories, which are white supremacist ideas that have been around forever, that's just as much magical thinking as anything else. You know, like, yeah, the, yeah. it's all these ideas. I'm not saying they're equal at all. Like, she's not out there being an overt white supremacist, and she's trying to do the opposite. But I do think that they all come from this sort of nebulous source that can be used for a lot of weird justifications. Well, and I think yeah. a lot of that, that like, that, like, unawareness of the weight you can throw around, like, is a symptom of white privilege. Yes. Like, just 
I mean, like, this is something, like, I ran into all the time in, Kyrg- in Kyrgyzstan, which was, like, why it's so hard to, like, write or talk about it. Like, like how much more, how obvious it was, how much more power I had than anyone around me. And yet, like, how vulnerable I was. Like, I think there's, like, some of that where, like, there's this, it's, I don't think she realizes how much power she has. Because she can only see what she wants right. to have and what she doesn't have yet. But she's got a lot of sway, and, and it's it's very dangerous. And I think the same maybe goes for Trump, although it's a much more complicated situation there. <laughs> but, like, there's this, like, there's this, like, what you want to have is such, so focused right. in your mind that you don't realize, like, how the waves that are coming out from your current actions. Yeah, I mean, I think that with, I mean, I don't want to spin off into this, but I think in Trump's case, like, he didn't know what he wanted. Like, he knew that he wanted people to talk about him forever. And so the result is that he'll do anything to make that happen. And that's a very classic cult, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to chain up all of your children and have sex with them so that you feel indebted to me. Like, that's, you know, <laughs> that's been done. <laughs> like, it's, yep. you know, you'll do anything to make sure that people pay attention. And I think it's a classic, yeah. it's just classic cult um, leader behavior. Yeah. So. So parallels, they exist. <laughs> Don't vote for Marianne in the primaries. Please, for the love of everything good in this world. Please don't let her live past the primaries in her public consciousness. Has she you. qualified for the debates? I don't know. I think there's still some time before that happens. By the time this episode goes out, we'll probably know. But like, I well, don't ever I forget think. that y'all were interested in her, and you almost got her into the primaries of that. Oh my god! <laughs> Be ashamed. Because these Be people, ashamed. you know, they don't go away. She'll be back for the next election, I guarantee. Right. And I will I will say, like, to, to their credit, like, I've had a lot of friends come to me and be like, wow, she sounds really cool. And I'm like, she's an anti-vaxxer. You want links? I'll give you links. And I, like, come <laughs> with, like, all of my research prepared. And they're like, no, you, you, you convinced me when you said she's an anti-vaxxer. Yes. I don't need to pay attention to her anymore. And I'm like, okay, you, at least you have that much sense. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, that's basically, like... The line here, too, is like, well, but she's anti-vax, and no, thank you. Yeah, I mean, Democrats that aren't running for health care reform are insane. But, and, like, if we are, like, I think health care is, like, at least, you know, one of the top two issues should be, you know, climate change and health care. And for someone like her to come out and run for president, it's, like, insulting. Yes. Well, in, and you know, like, not it's not just insulting, but it's 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 stupid on her part because, like, she I don't think I think this gets into like one of the reasons why she scares me in particular, um, and why Trump scared me in particular. It's like someone this ignorant is someone that the the conservative grassroots organizing that's been in place for forever can really work. Yes. With. Like, they could run things faster, and she wouldn't know. Yeah. Well, I think she would possibly be rather conservative also. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like these, all of these things where, like, trying to get the, the lower courts and work your way up into the Supreme Court and, like, trying to get control over these things that, like, these, all of these, like, kind of long con plans that have been in place in the religious right political, in the religious rights political movements, like... They all of these things were designed to work against Clinton, mm-hmm. like when they were per, first put in place. So, like, because the, she terrified them in some ways, even right. though she and was so, no, 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 not not she Clinton, he Clinton. Oh, he Clinton. I'm talking like 30 years, like the moral majority, like all of those plans that they put in place for all of these these years that we're now seeing come to fruition. Yeah, with like the the conservative Supreme Court and all of these things, like. Um, the passing of Citizens United and like all of these other all these other court cases, like yes, yeah. it's it's yeah. stuff that would get around her. No, it would not get past someone like Warren or Sanders, but yeah. it would get past yeah. Williamson would, because she's um, just not aware. 
probably not concern herself with it. <laughs> right. That's my worry. Worry. Nope. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I feel like she Too would concrete. just like go and do some <laughs> kind of like prayer thing and be like, "Cool, America's soul is healed," and then like it would be done. Yeah, but guys, if you right. look at America's birth chart, you gotta like understand that its soul has been like soaked in white supremacy and Which, like, needs to be burned first. <laughs> not wrong, but also <laughs> no. <laughs> I swear, oh, if she makes me hug oh, a Republican, I'm just not. I go home once a month. Yeah. Like, I don't need to do, like, I got it covered, guys. <laughs> I don't hug those people, though. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. Okay, well, I think, <laughs> I think we probably covered it. Oh, covered I also, it. I want to just add one last thing. Because I was, yeah, like, yeah. reading all these things about how, like, these characterizations of queer people as being more into her because um, they're into, like, tarot and astrology. (laughs) And I was so mad at this. I was like... That's just rude. I know. I was like, first of all, don't y'all know that we do that facetiously? (laughs) Like, it's like... We have tarot. You guys have fantasy football. We have (laughs) astrology. It's fine. It's the same thing. Like, we know that it's not controlling our lives, but it might be helpful in a conversation. Well, I mean, (laughs) it's it's just like another rubric for analyzing personalities and and the world and time and, like, making sense of things. It doesn't mean that we, like, are dogmatic about it. Yeah. There was an article that, like, said, I can't remember which one you sent me, but it was, like, (laughs) basically, like, oh, yeah, of course there, there are a lot of gay men that are really into her because of this. And I'm like... You just said it was gay men. There's another reason they're into her. <laughs> it's not because of tarot. <laughs> it's because of privilege. <laughs> God. Um, anyway, that was just my pet peeve. Yeah, like, no, I mean, it's it's reasonable to be angry about it. But yeah, I mean, I know anyone listening to your podcast is already convinced that she's probably insane, but... Tell your relatives. If, yeah, if you if you if you take this to the Sunday dinner table, here's here's your receipts. And you don't have to talk about it like she's crazy. You don't have to dismiss her, but just like talk about the facts and be like, "There's a lot of confusion about her past. Here are some things. Here's make some up things your mind. that concern me. And like, if you love me yeah. as your queer child, maybe maybe yeah. think about how it would affect me if she was in, it's in, a big in if, power." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Friends don't let friends vote for Marianne Williamson. There we go. Or they're no Welcome. longer friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, Garrett, where can our listeners find you and read your books and and find out more about you? My name is so confusing, so I'll spell it. It's my website, and it's G A R R A R D. C-O-N-L-E-Y, GarrettConley.com. It's one too many R's, you'll be confused. But if you type something like that into Google, it'll come up. (laughs) (laughs) And I wrote the book Boy Erased, which was about conversion therapy and and all that stuff. And then I did a podcast called Unerased, which is available in all places where you can get podcasts. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for making time to join us. So good. Yeah, thank you so much. This is great. Hey, y'all. Here's the deal. Making the show takes time and energy, and we'd really appreciate it if you could support us. There's several ways to do that, and most of them are free. First, you can take a couple minutes to rate us on iTunes or Google Play or whatever podcast app you're using to listen to us. Second, you can share the link to the show with your friends and your family or to the internet void. And if you're able, you should go over to our Patreon, which is Kitchen Table Cult Pod, and become a supporter. And when you support the show, you get access to the podcast early, and you get all the warm fuzzies of knowing that you're helping us keep going and make this and buy food since neither of us can eat bread now. (laughs) Get that bread. I'm going to be salty about that this entire Excuse me. You are late to this party. I know. He's so angry about it still. <laughs> um, guys, don't don't give your children trauma because then they can't eat bread later if they get IBS from 
stress and PTSD. And it's super rude. Mm-hmm. Just so don't just do don't it. do it. Be nice to your Be kids. Be nice to your kids. Be nice to your kids and support the podcast. <laughs> um, the music on our show is from the band The Heavens um, off of their album Stenazo. And if you want to ask us a question or um, support the podcast, you can find the link through our Patreon and the contact info um, on our website, which is kitchentablecult.com. Thank you so much for supporting us as we all collectively join forces to destroy the fucking patriarchy. Fuck the patriarchy! Bye. Bye.